0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Hallelujah. Amen. So good. So good. Did you have a good Christmas? It sounds like it. I hope you did have a good Christmas. It looks like you survived your in-laws and everyone is here and alive and that's good that's good i know uh christmas was was fun for me i ate lots and lots of food uh all sorts of food that i told myself i'm not gonna eat next year and uh you know, that, I don't know about you, but during Christmas, you eat all the stuff. You say, ah, it's the holidays, you know, it's the holidays, it's the holidays. You eat all sorts of stuff that you are not supposed to eat. That's how it goes for me anyways. And, you know, I, I think that this time of the year is really a time of year where we look back at the last year. You know, this is the last Sunday of 2019. Can you believe that 2019 is almost over? It's kind of a trip. And this is the time of year that we look back And we say, there are some things about last year that I want to see changed in the coming year. And so today, the word that I have for us today, I believe, is is from the Lord. And it's for all of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, this sermon is for me. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, this sermon is for you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. You know, you got to receive it, and then you got to deliver it as well, right? <laughs> if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read a passage to you that some of you might be familiar with, others are not going to be. But this passage is a very powerful story of a man who felt very out of place. Has anyone ever felt out of place here? You ever walked into somewhere and been like, I am not supposed to be here. I know um, there's, uh, there's been times that uh, that has happened with with me, I, you know, uh, I, I used to play football, and thanks for not laughing, I appreciate that. <laughs> we, um, I used to play football, and I was a receiver, um, probably you're not surprised, for those of you who don't know football, that's the skinny guy on the field. Um, and I would play receiver and, and so I remember there was one play, this is in high school and we were playing it like one of the, one of our, our rivals and we were trying to really mix it up on them. And so the coach made a call in the middle of the game that he never had made and he's like, David, I want you to play fullback. Oh, yeah. Now for, yeah, for those of you who play football, fullbacks don't look like me. Fullbacks are strong. They're big. They are the guys that when the, when the ball is hiked, they're the first one to go and hit somebody. They're the ones that drive up the middle of the field so that the, the uh, running back doesn't get tackled, right? And sometimes they get the ball, but for the most part, uh, they're just the first guy that gets hit. And so I was, I was questioning my coach's wisdom on this. But, you know, I'm in high school, and what do I know? And I'm going to get the ball. So I'm like, now we're talking, you know? So I said, all right, great. So I go to fullback position. I don't even really know how to stand. I'm like, you know, in receiver position. I don't know what I'm doing back there. They say, okay, ball's going to you. It's going to go down the center. I say, great. So just run in a straight line. I got it. I get the ball, and I run through, through the, the line opens, I run, and the, the linebacker, the first guy that's coming, he nails me. In fact, I think that there was about three people that nailed me. I remember going to the ground, hearing things pop in my body that I had not heard before. And I said, that was a very strange sensation. I got up, and later... I came to realize that what had actually happened on that one play was I tore both of my labrums. Yeah, that's fun, right? I tore both of my labrums. And and, and the lesson that I learned from that whole thing is I'm not a fullback. I was in the wrong position. I was out of place. I was not in the right place. I had no idea what I was doing there. I had no idea what was supposed to happen and maybe maybe you've been in a situation similar to that. In fact, maybe you're here today and you feel like that in church. You feel like, you know what? I know that people are nice here and and uh you know, I get lots of hugs and uh People are always saying, God bless you to me. And and I I know about all the the things about church. But when I come here, I feel like I'm kind of like an outsider. I'm not supposed to be here. I I feel like, you know, if people really knew what my life was like and they understood where I come from, uh, they would probably not accept me here. They probably wouldn't really want me Around and I, I just I, I don't know and you know maybe or maybe you're here and you're like you know I I, I like being here I know the people love me but man whenever I. Whenever I read the Bible, I just feel lost. I feel like it was written for other people that are more spiritual or smarter than I am. And, and it just doesn't work for me. And I, I come in, and maybe, you, maybe when people are worshiping and lifting their hands and, and giving God praise, you're just like, well, you know, that's just not for me. I'm, I, I'm not an emotional person. I'm very cut and dry. And I, I just don't get into all of that. And you, you feel on the outside. You feel like you're out of place. You feel like you know you're supposed to be here, but you're not supposed to be here. You're torn, and you kind of feel out of place. Well, today we're looking at a story of a person that felt that way. You know, coming into the presence of God is a scary thing sometimes. Because God is holy. And because God is holy, that means that when you enter into His presence, automatically you are aware of how jacked up you are. There's something that happens when you enter into the presence of God that the conviction of sin comes in and you kind of say, oh my goodness, wow, I uh, am not supposed to be here. That's a feeling that everyone in this room has experienced. And I know that because that's the way that, that sin and condemnation, that's the way that it works. And sometimes even conviction, pre-salvation. And so, if you're here today, and you feel like you're not supposed to be here, I want to tell you, you are supposed to be here. God never invites anyone into his presence that he doesn't want to be there. So just by the fact that you are here today and you're hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth means God loves you and he likes you and he wants you to be here because he wants you to be close to him. I want to look at this story because I think that we're going to be able to relate to Isaiah and see how he too felt very uncomfortable in God's presence and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Now this is a picture of heaven. You see, Isaiah was brought into heaven. He was literally brought into the physical presence of God. And he's there standing before the, in the throne room of God and he's looking at the angels and the seraphim and they're singing out this song to God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let's continue. And I said, woe is me for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. We're going to stop right there. I want to just look at this story because I believe that it has some keys for us moving into this new year. You know, it's important what you believe about your history is important for your future. The way that you interpret your past often informs how you act in the future. And and I want to tell you today that what took place in the past doesn't have to be repeated in the future. The way that things used to be, all those things, maybe your diet that's going to change, maybe, you're, maybe there's an issue in your life that you've not addressed, maybe there's sin issues even. Those things that were in the past, they don't have to be in the future. And I believe that today, we're going to learn something from Isaiah, We're going to learn something from the presence of God that's going to help us to process this past year and moving into this new year. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for every person that's here because you love them so much. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have arranged a meeting with every individual in this place and God himself today and we are here to today to meet with you. So Holy Spirit, I pray open our hearts up. Allow this word to penetrate to the deepest parts of who we are. Allow our ears and our eyes and most importantly, our hearts to be open to your word. Lord, we receive today the blessing of your presence. We receive today the grace that you give, so Lord, today be honored and be glorified in this place in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, when Isaiah went into this to this place, he felt very out of place. He, he he's like, "Hey, um, <laughs> woe is me!" For it's kind of old, archaic language, but basically that means, "Uh oh." I'm in trouble. Woe is me. This is not good. I am not in the right place right now. I am definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time. You see, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that no one can see the Lord and live. And so Isaiah is there in the presence of God. And he's understanding that I am in the presence of God. And I am not able to survive. Why is that? Well, because... If we the Bible says that Jesus' eyes are like eyes of fire. And so when he looks at us, there's a holiness in him. And just as these angels were crying, they were looking at the Father and they were saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They sang that day in and day out. And they never stopped singing it because that song never gets old. They kept singing, holy, holy, holy. And so as they were singing this song, they're giving, they're calling out the attribute that makes it impossible for us on our own to be able to be present with God. God's holiness is so perfect and so spotless. When we come in with our sin and with our issues, what happens is there's a conflict that takes place because we are not holy, but God is holy. And the character of God, it is full of love, but it is also full of justice. And so when someone who is broken and who is unholy enters into the presence of God, the holiness of God cannot be tainted with unholiness. And so if we, as unholy vessels, enter into the presence of God, what has to happen is judgment. So how did this all work? Isaiah's freaking out. He's like, whoa, this is, this is nuts. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here right now. This is not the place for me. I, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a man who's dirty and who has places in my life. You know, I've said things that shouldn't be said. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so Isaiah understood that because I know what's come out of my mouth, I know that what's in my heart is not right. And I know that I stand in the presence of a holy God. And so, while I'm here right now, I know I should be judged. But he wasn't. You see, there's something really important that you need to understand. If God brings you into his presence, it's because he wants you to be there. And because you're here today, it means God wants you to be in his presence. And His presence is not a church building. His presence is not just around other people that know God. His presence, as this passage says Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God's glory fills what? The entire earth. The presence of God is everywhere. The presence of God is something that we can have access to. We can have access to, but there's only one way to have access to the presence of God. You see, as he was there, one of the things that that he saw, I want to read this to you. It says, I'm a man of unclean lips. He said, what comes out of my mouth is dirty. I know that I'm foul. Maybe you're here today and you know that there's areas of your life that are not right. You know that there's specific areas that that maybe it's a personality thing. Maybe it's something that's holding you back from fulfilling what God has called you to do. You know that you're supposed to change this or maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's maybe it's a hidden sin. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's lust. Maybe it's selfishness, maybe it's worry, maybe it's anxiety. It's all different things for all of us but but Isaiah understood. He's like, I am in a place where I can't let this sit. Let me tell you something. When you're in the presence of God, you can't hide your stuff. If you try to hide your stuff in the presence of God, the only person you're fooling is yourself. You know, it's funny because people come to church and uh, this happens sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes people come to church and they, they feel so guilty about what's inside of them that they're constantly saying people are judging them. But it's actually not anyone else that thinks anything about them. Like, I've had people say, you know, I I came and and I, I just felt like people were looking at me a certain way. And I know that when they looked at me like that, what they meant was, I'm like, really? You have incredible insight never seen anyone be able to read someone else's expressions like that you know what it is it's not that you're incredibly insightful it's that you're guilty it's that there's something inside of you and i don't say that to shame you i i say that to release you and let you be free other people they they might know what's going on with your life but typically if people love jesus they don't they're not concerned about your sin they're concerned about you So, if you come to church and you're like, man, people are always judging me, don't worry. People are not judging you. The devil is condemning you. That's what that is. So that was just for free. We're going to go back to the message here. (laughs) So, yeah, amen. So, listen. Here's Isaiah in the presence of God. And he says, woe is me because of what's come out of my mouth. You know, if God invites you somewhere, he always makes provision for everything that you need. You know, the last supper, he told the disciples, hey, go and prepare a room, a place for me. He's, and, then, and then this is what he said. He said, you're going to find a man carrying a jar of water, and he's going to lead you to an upper room, and just tell them that this is the place that we need for the master. And they went upstairs, and everything was set. See, when God invites you to dinner, he sets the table. He prepares everything. When God invites you into his presence, he provides forgiveness. This is one of those things that, okay, I I know, look, this is like, okay, this is Christianity 101. And so I need you to be really careful, especially those of you who have been in church for a little while. Don't miss this. This is for you. Turn to your neighbor again. Tell them that this sermon is for them. They needed to hear that. God has forgiveness for you. It's a one-time thing, but it's a continual thing. Okay, so what happens? I love this. Then... One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. What did he have? He had a piece of coal, a burning ember. It was fire from the altar that he had taken. Now, the altar, you have to understand, is, is representative of a, of a place of sacrifice. And, and in the Old Testament, what would happen is when someone wanted to be forgiven of their sins, they would bring an animal and the priest would take the animal, offer it, and sacrifice it on the altar, right? And so in heaven, there's this altar that's burning, and the angel goes to the altar, and he pulls the fire off of the altar, and he runs. He flies. He actually didn't run. He had wings. He flew. He flew to Isaiah, and he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And you know what atoned, atoned for, if you don't know what that means, is it means forgiven. It, it means it's wiped away. It means that you're clean. You're done. It means that whatever you were talking about is now a mute point. It is finished. That's what Jesus said on the cross. And so... This angel touches his lips, and he says, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Now here, okay, let me talk to all the church people in the place, okay? If you've been coming to church for a long time, here's what I've run into with myself and with a lot of other people. A lot of the times, you know, someone comes to me, and they're like, man, I'm struggling with this or that and the other. And I'm like, hey, brother, sister, God forgives you. And they say, yeah, I know. I'm like, what? What was that? yeah, I know. Well, I know know why people do that. It's because you know the truth that God has forgiven you, but you have held on to the guilt. You see, I, I love the way that he says this because he says, behold, this is touch your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So You have been justified. You have actually been legally forgiven of everything that you have done. You have been washed and made clean. And and if you're a believer here, you know this. You know I am forgiven. But the thing that we don't do is we don't allow God to take away our guilt. We hold on to that. You can clap for Jesus for that one. Praise God that he's taken away our guilt. You see... What we do is we think, well, I need to hold on to my guilt because I did something wrong. And holding on to my guilt shows that I'm actually sorry. That's wrong. That's actually the enemy condemning you. You see, if, um, if I went and uh, there was a friend of mine who was paying their car payment, right? How many of you love car payments? The interest is so good, and it's just amazing on a depreciating asset. It's awesome. You pay this car payment, and you're just, you know, it's just like money is just like burning, right? So, like, right? And you pay this car payment, and if, what if I was to go to someone, and I was to say, hey, brother, you know what? I want to bless you. I'm going to pay your car off. Come on, happy Merry Christmas, right? Now. I would love that. I think we would all love that. If someone did that and you said, thank you so much, I'm so grateful for that. And to show you how grateful I am, I'm going to keep paying. (laughs) I would slap them. (laughs) Why are you wasting my money? Uh, What what are you doing? Why uh, you don't need to pay? I already paid for that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but you know, but but I didn't deserve that. I mean, this car is way too nice for me. I I shouldn't have this car because it's just too good. You know, I know I should have bought a used car, but I wanted a new car. We do this with God all the time. God says, "I'm going to get you." Like, the best car. I'm not even going start talking about cars. Get some of you all distracted. But he's like, I'm going to get you a new car, a great car, and I'm going to pay it off. And I want you to drive it, and I want you to use it, and I want you to enjoy it. But we say, nah, I think I need to keep paying that bill because I'm not really worthy. Of course you're not worthy. That was never a part of the equation. It was a gift that was given out of love. It was something that was given to you because that person wanted to bless you, but because we say no, I got to do something, I got to feel good about this. You know, have have you ever noticed it's hard to receive a gift sometimes? Did you notice that? Listen, let me tell you something. When you grow in your walk with Jesus, you should get better at receiving gifts. Receiving gifts shows that there's a new humility that you have. And an abundant mentality. Because if you feel like every gift that's given to you, you know, I, I, I've heard in some in some uh, 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 cultures, it's like, well, if you give a gift, you got to take a note, how much was that gift, and we got to give it back, and you know, it's like, well, when the time comes around, I got to give it back to them. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's like, you know, certain times it's like, oh man, they kind of got me something a little nicer, I got to step it up next year. It's like, That's, what is that? The gifts that I enjoy the most are the ones that just, you know, like Pastor Josh said, is like, I like used coloring books. Because I want something that comes from someone's heart. And Jesus is saying, this is from my heart. I take that guilt away. That's a part of the, that's a part of the deal. Some of us in this place, you gotta, you got to let go of the guilt. It's already been paid for. you got to let go. Now here's the crazy part, okay? Isaiah said, it's my lips. I know what I've been saying. Some of us in here are like, yeah, I, I'm in that place, right? I, I know what I've said. I know that the things that I have said have not been good. They have not been nice. They have not been what, you know, I should have done. It's not what I should have said. Oh, man, I spoke out. And have you ever been in that moment where maybe there's a a heated moment with a friend or spouse? And you're in that place and you're like, "Don't don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And there it goes. We all have been there. Isaiah said, I have that conversation all day. I I, I know about that. All the things that I've said are just wrong, and I know that I'm messed up, and I live with people that are messed up. We're all very aware of that because of the Christmas holidays, right? I'm just kidding. This is is a bad joke, I'm sorry. You have amazing families. But we, we know we're broken people and so he says he says i heard the voice of the lord saying whom shall i send and who will go for us then i said here am i send me and he said go and say to this people hold on two things here first of all how does somebody go from saying well I am about to die to, hey, please notice me. Here am I. Send me. You see, when guilt is removed, all of a sudden, you're able to walk into your calling. If you carry guilt, you will not carry the abundance of God's power and anointing that he wants to pull on, put on your life. Because you have to learn how to receive something before you can give something. And if you don't know how to receive forgiveness, how are you going to release redemption? If you don't know how to receive healing, how are you going to heal? If you don't know how to receive grace, how are you going to give it? You see, the beginning of all this is you have to receive before you can give. The more that you receive, the more anointed you are. We have it flipped. The enemy wants to tell us, he wants to say, No, you got to work for it. You know how things go. Pray harder. Read your Bible more. And when you do that, that's the only way that God's going to be happy with you. That's a lie. That's not true. Now, I'm not saying don't, don't walk out of here and say, Oh, I don't got to pray read my bible, okay? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you have a list of rules to follow in order to be holy, you're done. You're in trouble. I won't say you're done, but you're in trouble, okay? You're in trouble because if you if you think that God's anointing on your life is based on how much you do for him and how good you've been, then you've got it all mixed up. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you to enter into the presence of God, and he wants you to say, okay, look, you don't belong here. You should leave. That's what he wants. But when you receive, when you receive, that is when you're able to release. But look, this is, this is so powerful. He touched his lips. What did he say was dirty? He's like, "Ah, My lips. He could have said a lot of things. He could have said my hands. He could have said my feet. He could have said my mind. He said my lips. God says, oh, that's what's dirty? That's what's filthy in your life? Okay. He took the coal and he touched his lips. And I love this because, you know, Isaiah didn't waste any time and neither did God. And to, to the best of what we can see, Isaiah was the only human in, in, in that realm. And he was probably the only one that, that could actually, that God wanted to use to carry out this work. But I love how God did this. He's like, hmm, who should we send? Wish we had somebody, you know. It's like, I, I love that. If, if I would have recreated this moment, probably what I would have said was, all right, now listen, I forgave you. Now you, got, you better work. I gave you grace. Now you go and you do what I tell you to do. But that's, God is a gentleman. This is the crazy part to me, and I don't understand this. He gives you and me an opportunity to volunteer. That's crazy. He gives us an opportunity to volunteer to do his bidding. He said, he's like, who's going to go for us? Who should we send? Who would be a good person for this job? Knowing well that Isaiah was the one that he had in his mind the whole time. He's like, yeah, that's why I brought you here. But I wanted you to say, I want to go. You know, God brought you here today. And he has something for you. And this is not a word for one of you. It's a word for all of you. Even those that are listening online. This is a word for all of us Today, we have the opportunity to volunteer to say, here am I, send me. And why can we say that? Because we have been forgiven. We have received grace. We have allowed our guilt to be taken away. Go ahead, clap. It's good. (laughs) We have an opportunity to volunteer and i love that it was his lips you know what it, I, isaiah didn't say he's like okay god here am i you can use anything but you know you know about my lips god you can use I, i'll walk anywhere i'll even write a book don't tell me to talk god you know you know how i get you know about my past. You know where I came from. You know how I was raised. You know, you know all these things about me, God. You know that this part of my life is a little sketchy still. So, so I give you everything except for that. But that's not what he said. He says, Here am I, you could send me. And God says, Okay you know what, there's no 12 months of, of training or equipping. He's like, oh, okay, hey, filthy mouth, I want you to be the one that goes and gives my message. The one that said that he had a filthy mouth, that's the one I want to use. Perfect. Now, this doesn't make sense, because if someone came to you and they said, you know, okay, you're, you're applying for a job, and you say, Okay, so your job is customer service. You say, you know, I am a really mean person. That's the one. We got our guy. She's the one. You know, I lose my temper all the time, especially if people get on my nerves. Let's put her in the front of the store. Doesn't make sense. But that's exactly what God did. He said the guy with the filthy lips, that's the one I want to carry my message. The guy, the place that is filthy, God wants to make fruitful. God wants to take your filthy place and he wants to make it a fruitful place. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. It doesn't matter what kind of personality you have. It doesn't matter what kind of sin issue you've dealt with. It doesn't matter. God wants to take what is filthy in your life and make it fruitful. If you think that you've been a bad father, God wants to make you a great father. If you think that you've been, if you've just been uh, mean and, and angry, God wants to make you kind and full of love. If you have a struggle with lust, God wants to make you intimate with Him. You have a struggle with anger, God wants to give you passion. You see, the enemy, what he does is he takes the things that God has, and he perverts them, and he tries to twist them. And what I've seen is that when when the enemy sees something in someone's life, he says, I want to make sure God does not use that. He attacks it hard. But God says, no, in the weakest, in the most broken place, that's where I get the most glory. Because if I can take the one with filthy lips and use him as my mouthpiece, I could do anything. Maybe your lips are dirty today. Maybe you didn't realize it, but that place that you just wrote off as, well, this is just the way it is. You came into this place and you said, I'm I'm out of place. God wants to bring you in. You thought that you were on the outside because your lips were dirty. God says, no, I want you to be on the inside because I specialize in taking dirty places and making them fruitful. Maybe you say, you know what, when people are worshiping, I just don't know if I really connect like that. I can't, you know, I'm not really emotional and so that's hard for me. No, God wants to change that. He can make you full of passion and full of desire. He can give you a heart of worship like the angels. They're able to sing the same song every day, all day. Holy, holy, holy. The place you thought was dead, God wants to make alive. In the desert place, God wants to raise up springs and make an oasis for other people. Come on, will you stand with me? God gave Isaiah a message, but Isaiah first had to receive. I don't know what you, what you brought into this place. Maybe some of you, you came in with shame and you felt like, yeah, I'm just different. I want to tell you something, we're all different. Maybe you felt on the outside today God wants to bring you in. You know, I've been, my burden for you, I just, I have such a burden that no one would be comfortable with where they're at in your relationship with God. Some of you are stuck in this place. You've been walking with God, some of you for years, and you're in the same place. And it's because there's areas of your life that have been hidden from God, and you've said, well, that's the filthy place. No, God wants to make it the fruitful place. And my prayer for you today is that you would not be able to I told the first service this I'm going to pray that in that area that you're comfortable and you're okay being stuck that God would make you miserable. I'm not sure if that's the, the if I should pray that God will make you miserable but I think it's right. Because none of us should be okay being stuck. Now, I'm not saying that you should be condemned. There's a big difference. What I'm saying is that you should not be comfortable living below your calling. You should not be comfortable living in the past. You should not be comfortable doing things that are below what God has called you to do. Today, we need to say, God, I want you to take that broken place, that filthy place, and I want you to make it a fruitful place. Come on, close your eyes. I just want to begin to worship, and you know, listen, we're going we're gonna to deal, there's, there's sin issues in the room that need to get taken care of, and we're going to deal with those things in a minute, but I, for right now, I just want, just everybody in the room, just begin to just sing to the Lord your own song. You might not be comfortable with this, this might be new for you, I, I just, don't, don't worry, it, no one's critiquing you on this, just, just tell God, God, you're holy, just do like the angels, holy. Holy, holy, God, we worship you. God deserves our worship. He deserves our worship, and just let it come from your heart. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Don't worry about what it, what it looks like. Just let it come from your heart. Just say, holy, 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 we worship you, oh God. We worship you, Lord, you're holy. Holy, oh holy God